Spaced out like Dina. Spaced out the way you want to be. Everybody good? Everybody good? Good morning, baby. Um, I assume you're watching. And if you are, I, I'm so sorry Josh was rude to you. Like, wait, I apologize, but no. Hey, let me say good morning to Miss Dina. Hey, good morning, Miss Dina. Good to see you. She's doing very well. I had a little bit of a rough morning, the cold, wet weather and surgery and inflammation, all that stuff. So we got up, but she got a, a half-mile walk in just about sunrise and, and back in bed and doing really well. She's doing better than Don. Don, I don't know what that, I, Don walked in with his pirate patch on this morning. I said, what happened to you? She said, you should have seen the other guy. But... Uh, Look like you called Mike Tyson a sissy, you know, and uh, everybody's doing well. So glad you're here. I also want to say, and if we could please welcome our Grand Blank House Campus. Can we do that right now? Good to have you guys with us today. And uh, the last thing is this. How, remember we talked about we're going to take a month. We're going to kind of put some things aside. We're going to really put a, a, an investment into wisdom. I'm wondering how that's going. You say, I, I said this Thursday night, like, how many guys are doing well? You're caught up. You've got your 13 chapters within 13 days, and you're putting stuff aside. And it was a little bit quiet, and there wasn't a lot of eye contact. How many guys know what that means, right? So I, I assume everybody at the 9 o'clock service, the really the deeply spiritual people of Freedom Center Church, are on day 16 and doing well. But if you're not, it's not too late to start. It's not too, it's never too late to start because of the grace of God, right? So let's start. Chapter 16 today, 17 tomorrow. There's 31 days in May. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And we're just kind of laying aside some things, laying aside some weight and the sins that can easily entangle us. And we're running with perseverance this race that's marked out before us using the word of God. So there is a process, is there not, of maturing? How many of you guys know that you're probably, if you've done things well or you've done things not so well, you're probably more mature now than you were 10 years ago because there's a process of maturity. Sometimes maturity is the guy that reads the word and he lives the word. There's no doubt. There's no question. He's just so blessed. And the other guy can take a different route that leads to the same destination. He does everything wrong, suffers tremendously for it, and pain is his teacher. How many of you guys say, yeah, I know somebody like that. Go ahead and elbow me sitting next to you. I know somebody like that, right? So there's a process of maturing in wisdom. And I know this. God's going to use everything. Like God's going to use his word. How many of you guys would like to learn the easy way versus the hard way, right? God's going to use the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes there's a peace. Sometimes there's not a peace. Sometimes the Lord says, go right. And you go, well, I, I really want to go left. And you go left and you learn to listen to that voice next time. Sometimes he says, go right. You go right. You don't understand why. But there's a satisfaction and obedience versus disobedience. And I think the last thing we'll talk about a lot today is the circumstances of life. Now, how many of you guys know that if you come across the third one, it's really nice to have the first two. Now, you don't have to have the first two. The wisdom not to lean against a hot stove can be learned in Scripture or through scars. But it's better to learn it through Scripture. It's better to, to hear the voice of the Lord say, don't put your hand on the stove, don't put your hand on the stove, don't put your hand on the stove, and then just not do it. But if you do it, even if you couldn't hear his voice, even if you didn't know his word, the pain of the engagement in, in what was foolish will be your teacher as well. How many of you know God's really committed to making you wise? We, we have to really be stubborn to, to, to arrive at the end of our lives as fools. It's true, right? Like, because either we're going to learn, I didn't pay my taxes, didn't pay my taxes, didn't pay my taxes. I got a phone call. They'd like to take me out to lunch and talk about my taxes. You learn one way or the other. I didn't love my wife. I didn't love my wife. I didn't love my wife. There was a phone call. And now we have to figure that out and go out to lunch, right? So when we, we can learn the easy way or we can learn the hard way. How many of you guys remember the old, what was it, Midas commercial? You can pay me now or you can pay me later, but either way, you're going to pay. This is the way it works, right? So I, I love this because this, this scripture brings, brings me great comfort, Romans eight twenty eight. We know that in all things, everybody say all things. 
So not just good things. God's not just working in good things. God's not just working in bad things. God is working in all things. The car you're driving, the clothes you're wearing, the people that are your neighbors, the best thing that ever happened to you, the worst thing that ever happened to you. God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God will use the circumstances of life to prepare you for the purpose of yours. He doesn't waste, right? And you say, I don't quite get that. I think you do. And and let me just say this. The recipe, how many guys know that there's nothing better on this earth to put in your mouth than a warm chocolate chip cookie? Some of you guys like nuts. That's okay. Some of you guys like not chocolate chips, but like chocolate chunks. But we're, we're talking about roughly the same recipe. The recipe for chocolate chip cookies has about seven ingredients in it. And if you were to take one by one those ingredients and put them in your mouth, there's about five of them. You'd say, why is this in my mouth? Like, like, how many guys know that, that your parents used butter, your wife makes you use, like, canola margarine, right? But your grandmother used bacon grease to make cookies, right? She just strained out the big chunks, and why does this cookie taste like bacon? And your grandma said, because everything tastes like bacon, sweetie, when it's made with love, right? So we had, but we had, the, there's the, and if I said, here's a, here's a mouthful of Crisco, you'd say, I don't like the ingredients in chocolate chip cookies. But here's a mouthful of brown sugar. You might be like, well, that's, that's a little intense, a little molasses-y. It's a little, you know, it's okay. If I were to put in a, a tablespoonful of salt, you say cookies are terrible. Flour, terrible. Uh, baking soda, terrible, right? But when you put all these things, when, God, when we take all these things and they all work together and they go through the process of heat and cooking and they come out the other side, glorious chocolate chip cooking. Life is like that, if we can understand that. Not everything is good, but everything works together for good. When, when, when life isn't good, it isn't that God's not good, it's that there's a moment, there's an ingredient, there's a substance that can only be obtained through certain difficult things. And also know this, that, that's one category. The other category is this is in heaven. And so there are things that happen on this earth that are they're not great. I, I just did my father's funeral yesterday. There, there's things in this life that will break our heart. There's, there's disappointments. There's betrayals. There's, there's grief. There's, for everything that you can love, how many guys know you can lose it? There's fear. There's, so I'm just telling you this. This is in heaven. So some things are, are good things. Some things are bad things. But all things are God things. God does not create the pain, but God will not waste the pain to make you what he created you to be. The rejection of David made him a better king. The, 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 uh, the, the outright failure of Moses made him a better prophet. The, the, whatever it is we go through, understand this, guys, it just makes us a better us if Jesus is a part of that. And if we, if we say, well, if Jesus isn't a part of that, if God was good, then why and where was God when? And I get those thoughts. It's not like they're new thoughts. And I'm not, I'm not discounting that thought. It's not a bad reaction, but it is a terrible conclusion. If you conclude where was God, then, then the answer is whatever you want it to be and you're lost. But if the answer is where was God, I don't know exactly what he was doing. I don't know exactly why he didn't do some things I asked. I don't, I don't know, but this is what I know. By the time this day ends, I will affirm my faith in him once again because he's good. And all things, he's working all things together for my good. God doesn't cause pain, but God doesn't waste pain. So why would God allow pain? I, th- I think because pain tells us something's wrong, and it tells us where it's located, so we can do something about it. If you'd like to be wise, learn from pain. If you don't want to be wise, just ow, 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 right? There are those, and I, and I don't, I'm not belittling people, but I want us to check our hearts to make sure we're not in this category. There are those who do exactly what God said not to do. 
There are those who don't even care what God said to do. With the, the wise counsel of those around us, those that influence us, the way our parents might have raised us, Scripture itself, and we ignore it. And, and we, we find ourselves in these places of ruin. And when we get there, not only do we not blame ourselves, we blame God. And you say, I don't know who that is. Well, Solomon did. He knew somebody like this. A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. This is the guy that walks out in the rain and goes, man, there's no God because I got wet. Well, you walked out in the rain. How many of you know I want to finish that sentence with the word dummy? But I won't because I'm a very kind person. When Dina tells me to be, I'm a very kind person, right? So let's look at some of the things that we can embrace that can make us wise. The first thing is this. Pastor Jason's about to yell amen, right? It's discipline. How many of you know some guys are so good looking, they can wear a weird hat, a pink sweatshirt, and just look like a muscular mushroom, right? (laughs) He didn't get that way because he woke up one morning ripped. He gets up every morning and starts ripping stuff. That sounds terrible, but I think you know what I mean. I think you know what I mean. There's, there's two ways in this discipline. There's an easy way and a hard way. There's self-discipline. I set a schedule. I set a budget. I set a priority. I set a goal. I got accountability. I got people that are waiting for me at the gym. I got people that, that are helping with my investments. I have people that are helping me in life, and we do life together, iron sharpening iron. And the other way is to not have that and suffer consequences and eventually say, the doctor said I have to blank, right? The lawyer says, I have to blank. My, my accountant said, if I ever one more time, he's going to blank, right? Self-discipline or being disciplined. Look at this. It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Now, I know discipline is unpleasant. So we're talking about discipline. Whoever loves discipline. I love discipline. I love it when people correct me. I love it when people tell me what I'm doing wrong. I love it when someone finds a better way and interjects that truth into my life. That's what he's talking about. Those who love discipline love knowledge, but whoever hates correction, and I got to say this like I'm down south, it's just stupid. Yes, there's a better way. Yes, you told me. Yes, you took a risk of my rejection. I choose to ignore truth. I choose to mitigate fact with my own narrative. I would rather believe a lie. Thank you very much. And Solomon goes, you know what that person is? You know what the problem is? They're stupid. You chose stupid over wise. Does this make sense? You doing okay? You ever had this friend, man, my life is so bad. And you say, what's going on? And they tell you, you say, well, you know, the Bible says this, and my testimony is that. Let me give you a phone number to somebody who specializes in this, and they can help you. Fast forward two weeks later, how's it going? Man, my life is so bad. Well, did you, did you do what we talked about? No. Did you talk to the person asked you to talk to? No. Have you changed anything? No. All right. Two weeks later, how's it going? Man. Just like, I'm about to make you look like Don Brock over there, right? I want to punch you in the face. Like, I want to dot your eye because, you know, what are you doing? The same thing, hoping everything changes. It doesn't work that way. How many guys know 10 times you jump off a two-story building? You know what happens? 10 times you fall to the ground and get hurt. It doesn't matter what you think, what you believe, what your daddy taught you, what your politics say, what your race is. It doesn't, doesn't matter what side of any issue you're on. If you jump off a two-story building, you're going to fall, was it so many feet per second per second, and you're going to hit the ground, there's going to be a snapping sound, there'll be both your ankles, and over and over again, no matter how many times you do it, no matter what your opinion is, no matter how you were raised, dumb produces dumb. I just want to say amen and drop the microphone and walk away, but I, I can't, right? And the, and the greatest insult of all is this. When people finally say, you know what, no one even wants to help me anymore. The problem often, when you hear somebody say that, if you hear yourself say it, nobody's even trying to help me. The problem may not be that there's no one there to help, because certainly God is there. Certainly scripture is there. Certainly a pastoral staff is here. Certainly group leaders are here. Certainly friends, family are, are here to one degree or another. 
maybe if you're saying nobody wants to help me, the problem is maybe, maybe, just, just examine your heart. Maybe the problem is not everybody else. Maybe the problem is you. Maybe you've heard it and it's time to start doing it, right? Or Solomon talks about these people this way. He says, and I just love the visual of this one. I'm not even going to read it. <coughs> you see, what? You, you just expelled that from your body. That's funny. I think our online audience is like, what's it say? As a dog returns to his vomit, so pass the days of our lives. <laughs> so a fool repeats his folly. What, what he's simply saying is this. Like, guys, it, it hurt you the first time. Why'd you do it a second time? You, it, it bothered you so much that you, you expelled it from your body, said, wretch. And you said, wretch, but I want it again. And, and really, literally what happens, guys, is this is the hardest way to grow in wisdom is you're repeating folly, repeating folly, repeating folly. Because good friends will stick around for a while. You know what I mean? Family will stick around. Marriage will stick around. But, but there's, a, there's a whole part of our world that will not suffer a fool for long. Live with the wise. Live with wisdom, right? There's another thing we should talk about in this. It's hard times. Again, you say, well, this isn't very encouraging so far. But I've got to be honest with you. Most of the things I learned, I didn't learn because I learned them. I learned because I suffered because I didn't know them. And I, and I changed my behavior to better mirror a, a desired outcome and to mitigate pain. Uh, I love Proverbs again. And we'll, we'll get to this so it makes a lot, a lot more sense. But blows and wounds scrub away evil. And beatings purge the inmost being. I think I had a drill sergeant that loved the book of Proverbs. Pain is just weakness leaving the body, you know? I, I love what Eugene Peterson did with this in the message translation. He said, a good thrashing <laughs> purges evil. Punishment goes deep within us. What, what Solomon's trying to say and what Eugene's trying to, to help us understand is that sometimes you can learn by learning and sometimes you have to learn through bad experience. Mark Twain said it this way. I love this. He said, a man who carries a cat by the tail learn something he can learn in no other way. And if that didn't make sense to you, I actually have the King Jim version of Mark Twain. If you're dumb enough to carry a cat by the tail, you deserve the lesson you're about to learn. He has another one. I once knew a man who grabbed a wildcat by the tail and learned twice as much about wildcats as the man who didn't. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I think what it means is this. It means that there's a way to learn. And if you're dumb enough to pick up a cat by the tail, you deserve the beating you're about to get. You, you should know. How many of you guys know if a little child picks up a cat by the tail, they'll only do it once if the cat has claws and teeth, right? Unless they've, they've declawed and detoothed and it's just a, a living stuffed animal that gets abused by a child. That child will learn because of the pain of that interaction to never do it again. I was a youth pastor. It was, uh, the year was 1924 and the, the Great Depression was in full swing. And I was a youth pastor. And I remember like one of the reasons I'm no longer a youth pastor. And, and, and if you're in here, I don't mean this is insulting if you have one of these. But junior high school students are a different thing. They're, they're youth, but they're not. They're like... They're not children, so they do what they're told, and they're not like young adults, so they have some reason. They're that place in between where God help every junior high school teacher on the planet because you'll go to a junior high school student that just like tried to jump out the van window down the freeway for no good reason. It just sounded like fun, and you pull the van over, you get them out and say, why did you do that? And you know what they say? What do they say? Right? I don't know. It's like... I'm not sure that I should have stopped you. We could have cleansed the gene pool, you know, from... Wow. And you know why they're saying, I don't know? It's because literally, they, they have, they're given enough because of, you know, they've kind of post-puberty. They look like grown-ups and people and stuff, right? But, but they, they have not suffered enough pain to realize what's really wrong yet. And it's really hard to be around people that are junior high schoolers, if you will, when they, when they just won't learn. They just won't listen. They just won't... Why do that? I don't know. It's like, well... And I remember as a youth pastor saying, you do know! 
look at me, talk to me, because, you know, that's the way my drill sergeant talked to me, and I turned out fine, didn't bother me, bother me, you know, and, and I had to learn, somebody pulled me aside and said, you know, they really don't know, I'm like, that's just an excuse, like, no, they really don't know, they don't know why they just jumped off that wall, why they just climbed out the window, why they, they don't know, they, listen, they haven't suffered enough pain yet, like, pain is going to teach them, I'm going to go play in the freeway, but the last time I did, I've got this scar, Maybe I shouldn't. Like, they haven't learned enough from pain to, to actually check their behavior. Does this make sense? Guys, can I, can I just say something to you? The difference between a junior high schooler and, and somebody who is my age and hasn't learned, it's, it's we, we have a few more scars. But how many of you guys know it doesn't matter how many scars you have. It matters what you've learned from your scars. It matters what you've learned through hard times. Here's, a, here's an easy way. Let's get to the good ones. A trusted voice. How many of you guys love trusted voices? People you know love you. People you know will care for you. They'll be honest with you. They're, not, they're, they're more afraid of you being hurt than hurting you by being honest with you. Good friend, right? One of the best friends I ever had was, was this guy right here. It said, wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy, you know, he piles on all these kisses. Randy Phillips was the best man at my wife and I's wedding. Um, very creative, super creative. He invented the whole human video where you act out Carmen songs and Ray Bolt songs and all that kind of stuff. Created a whole genre of ministry that's gone global. He created that in, in our dorm room in Master's Christian. I woke up one morning. Randy was in front of a full-length mirror in boxer shorts. And I woke up. If you know Carmen music, the champion, this will make sense. If not... You're going to be really confused for the next 30 seconds. I woke up to him in front of the mirror going, I'll kill you, Christ. You'll never win this fight. The demons wheeze. That's right. There ain't no way. Satan jeered. You're dead meat, Jesus. I'm going to bust you up tonight. Jesus said, go ahead. Make my day. Now, if you don't know Carmen, that was like, what just happened? But if you do, then you'll understand. I woke up to the heavenly host in their boxer shorts at 6 a.m., and, and here, uh, what are you doing, right? So this is Randy. Randy was so honest, dear friend, so honest that we had to work out a way for him not to be so honest. I, I, would, I remember like when people and Christians used to wear these, uh, it was kind of a symbolic torture of the, the serpent choking Adam in the garden. It's called a necktie. Remember those things? I used to wear them all the time. And I was picking out, and, and the louder the tie, the closer you were to Jesus back in the day. If you're tied and have batteries and neon and all that stuff. So it looked like Walt Disney threw up on a piece of silk. That was a real tie, right? And I was looking at this, hey, what do you think? It was like a really expensive tie, like a $10 tie or something back in the day. And I said, what do you think of this, Randy? And the salesman's so excited because he's got a live one on the wire. Randy goes, that's ugly. I would never wear that. That looks stupid. That's a terrible tie. And he meant it, but he didn't know how to say things like, oh, you know, it's not my cup of tea. But so he kept offending people. So we got a deal. So listen, when you're lying to me, put two fingers on your lip. And no, I don't mean what I'm saying. What do you think of this tie? Oh, I like it. It's really nice. And it really bled into other areas like, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Which means I'm not doing great. Let's go for a walk and talk about how you I'm doing really good. I knew he was telling me the truth. I knew that what he said was the opposite of what he meant, right? What do you think of this tie? It's beautiful. I, I'd buy it. I'd buy 10 of them. I'd buy a hundred of them. They're that beautiful. I grew a mustache. Okay. I grew the beginnings of a mustache. If you were five feet or closer, it was manly. If you were five to ten feet away, it was gray. If it was 20 feet away, Jim doesn't have a mustache. And I was pretty self-conscious about it because, you know, you're trying to be a man and you're, you know, whatever. And I, and I said, Randy, be honest with me. I mean, you guys know there's one thing you don't have to say to Randy Phillips is be honest with me. Randy, be honest with me. What do you think of the mustache? He said, I like it. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I, I don't know how, but it, it breaks up all the monotony in your face. <laughs> and, and as blunt as he was, how many of you guys know that if I ever asked him his opinion, I knew I got it? 
We need people like they just, they love us enough to be honest with us. Is this, does this shirt make me look fat? Jim, it's not the shirt, man. <laughs> it's, don't blame the shirt. It's the fat that makes you look fat. It's, right? We, we need people in our lives. You know, my wife just won't listen. Or, or maybe it's because you're such a jerk, she has to put up the force field so she doesn't get torpedoed. Maybe you should talk to her nicer. Well, how would I do that? I, I'm mad at you now. Tough. I'm your friend. I'm going to be honest with you. Listen, the wounds of a friend. I mean, we need friends that wound us. We need friends that are honest, trusted voices that tell us the truth, right? Uh, another way for us to grow in wisdom is the rebuke, sometimes from God, sometimes from men. Look at this, the rebuke from God. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And don't resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. I shot a deer several years back, and it was illegal. Uh, I, I got out to my blind. I got in it. I looked at my phone because, you know, when there aren't deer around, just play video games. It's ADD and hunting. You know what's going to happen, right? And I realized the date that I had a shotgun, and it was now muzzleloader season. I'd gone along. I thought, well, I'm already out here. It's, you know, it's only my last day to hunt. I just, okay, I'll sit here. And sure enough, a doe walked up, and I shot her. And um, I, I hit her so solid, I was sure she was just over the next hill. And I put down my gun, took off my stuff, and, you know, texted my wife, I got one, and I walked over the hill. I didn't let her die. All the deer hunters are like, you idiot. And I just, it gets worse. So if you really are judging me now, hashtag judge much. Here we go. You ready? I jumped her. She took off running, and I never found her. She bled out somewhere, and she just died for no good reason. Wasn't meat, illegally. And I, I remember feeling like, oh, gee, I, I'll never tell that story publicly. Because I, I, I got up at like Odark 30 to go about my day. I went home and took a quick nap before dinner. When I woke up, this is what I had. And I don't say this lightly, and I'm not trying to create a theology. This is just my testimony. When I woke up, it was like the Holy Spirit was sitting on my chest making eye contact with me. And this is what my spirit heard. We don't do that. Never do that again. How many of you know when you wake up, that's like, yes, sir. And I'll, I'll go look for the deer. It's like, no, there's nothing you can make right right now but don't ever do that again. Can I tell you, I have never taught, taken the wrong gun. I have never, I don't think I've even shot an animal since then. I had a couple of skunks, but that's not the same thing. I don't, I don't eat that meat, right? The Lord's rebuke. Let me tell you, when the Lord rebukes you, that's a good thing. I, I don't know what he's protecting me from. Maybe it's just the integrity uh, of, of the pulpit or, you know, local pastor arrested by DNR. You know what I mean? Like that, whatever. I don't think it was even that. I think it was a father speaking to a son. Our family doesn't treat animals that way. Our, our family doesn't treat laws that way. Our family doesn't make excuses and go blast things illegally. That never happens again. Do you have an agreement? Y- y- yes, sir. It's, it's Dina's fault. It's the woman you gave me, God. You know what I mean? You're trying to blame the serpent. Like, no, I just, like, I own this. He wasn't looking at her. He was looking at me. It's like, yes, sir. I'm So, again, not a theology, but I mean, have you ever been there where the Lord corrected you? There's a, there's a law that corrects you. There's a person that corrects you. But sometimes it's the Lord himself. And you're just like, my bad. I am absolutely corrected. Never happen again, no, no matter what, right? Sometimes it's a person, though. A rebuke impresses a discerning person more than 100 lashes a fool. Like when we get people that just, hey, you know, this, let's make this better. Let's work on that. Hey, the, no more excuses. Let's get up at 6 o'clock. Let's get this done. Let's, you know, what's your goals? I'm holding you to it. Listen, a, a rebuke impresses a discerning person more than 100 lashes. Lastly is this. It's community. Um, Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Can I, can I point out one thing just so we make sure we get that right? When I was a drunk on a bar stool, the drunk next man on a bar stool wasn't making me sharper. Iron needs iron. That, that which is, is, 
is bread for health, bread for strength, bread for, for purpose. has to come up against something else the same way. We talk about like small groups and, hey, you got your group thing and do the QR code. I, I will just tell you this. 30 years of doing nothing but, but God and, and people, right? Those who get into groups grow. Those who don't attend. If, if you want to grow, if you want to be discipled, we get in an environment where people are saying, teach me. Hold me accountable. Not, not accountable like, did you smoke today? Did you chew today? Did you run with girls that do today? But to account for your abilities. You have an ability. What are you doing with that ability? Accountability is accounting for our abilities. How, how do we help people grow? If you'll be in an accountable environment where you're honest with people, they're honest with you, and I don't care if it's grilling meat, I don't care if it's fishing, I, I don't care if it's like an in-depth, the hermeneutics of Lucan historiography Bible study. It, the, the dynamics don't matter. If I were to say to you, and please don't take this the wrong way, and please, if you've heard this before, tolerate my, my example, but if you could name five sermons by name that have changed your life, I'd be shocked. I've dedicated thousands of hours of my life to preaching the Word of God. But every person in this room can name five people that have changed their life. So I'm going to listen to sermons 10 hours a day. Great. But if you got a good friend and listen to one, you'd be farther ahead. If you got a mentor in the weight room, you'd be farther ahead. If you got a trainer, if you got a coach, if you got a tormentor, if you got a boss that cares about you, whatever it is. My drill sergeant got growth out of me in a way I didn't think it was possible because quitting was harder than succeeding because they made examples out of the quitters. And I realized there were, when I was done and it hurt too bad and I couldn't do one more push-up, I had like 30 more push-ups in me. I didn't realize there was even another, another gear to access until someone beat it out of me. As iron sharpens iron, so one man can sharpen another. But it's got to be iron. Soap doesn't sharpen iron. Wood doesn't sharpen iron. Iron has to be sharpened by iron. You need people in your life that are growing in Jesus if you're going to grow in Jesus. And if you don't have that, then attend and worship and schedule and budget and live your life. But let's not kid ourselves. If we're not with a community of people that are growing, we are not growing in this community. Have a nice day. I just... So what's pastor so mad about? I don't, I don't know. You're supposed to laugh. You didn't. So am I mad? Okay. So it says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Um, piano guys joining me. And let me just, I want to say this so well. I didn't say it very well Thursday night. I really tried. So again, how many guys have put on your translator hat? Just Jim loves me and, and he's tired. He buried his dad yesterday. His wife said, come and give me at least sympathy, if not mercy. Say amen. Nah, it was close. All right. Um, Life is hard, yes, but God is just. You agree with that? Life's not fair, but, but God is just. Life can be very hard. There's very hard parts of life. Um, one of the ways we get stuck in foolishness, one of the ways we can, we can not grow anymore, one of the ways we can stop our growth is by considering ourselves a victim. I, I don't know what has happened in, um, in lives where people said, you know, this happened to me, and because of this, I'm not expected to do anything else because now I'm a victim. My wife was a victim. Domestic violence, uh, molested by a family member, manipulated, uh, raped in college. Uh, I'm a victim. Broken home, atheism, addiction, right? I'm a victim. How many of you guys know if we'd have stopped at victim, we'd still be there? If we'd have stopped at victim, if we looked at statistics, if we looked at the whatever, but how many of you guys know that if we're going to grow, we've got to fight for growth? You've got to try. And the greatest testimonies of all, the people that were born into this and somehow became that. They, they were, they were the, this happened in their life, this tragedy, and somehow they became that. When we embrace excuse as identity, we stop growing.
when we embrace responsibility as identity, we continue to grow. And so I, I just want to caution all of our hearts here today. If we stop growing because it got too hard or it's not fair or I'm a victim of this, uh, our, our society for some reason at this moment, it won't for long, but it has now embraced uh, a power, if you will. Matter of fact, there's a statement to consider. Being a victim as an identity is a lie that gives people a false excuse, a false identity, and a false power. The word there is false. A false identity, a false power, and a, a, a false excuse. That is not to diminish injustice. That's not to diminish pain. How many of you guys love the stories when someone overcame injustice through discipline, through hard work, overcame disadvantage, through accountability, through... So I'm just here to tell you this. Children of the Most High God, we live by faith, not by excuse. But I, you know, I, I don't... And this might get personal. I'm not speaking of anybody right now, and I'm trying not to get my flesh involved in this. But if you're still in unemployment and there's jobs that can pay you a salary, that's not right. That's not right. You should get a job. You should contribute to society. That's what we do. We're believers. Yeah, but the check is free. I don't have to work, and I can, I can pray more. Hey, I went through COVID too. Who do you think you're lying to? If I just had three months off, I'd write a book. I got three months off. I watched Netflix like everybody else did right? It is time for the believers to begin to shine, to believe, to serve, to take their place as salt and light. Somebody say amen. I know business owners, they can't hire anybody because they're making more money at home. Listen, get a job. Listen, if you do things God's way, God will bless you. You do things the world's way, and you're going to do things the world's way. I'm, and this goes for everything. You're not a victim of COVID anymore. You're victorious over COVID through Jesus Christ. We, we are not the tail. Man, bless God, we're the head, right? Adam said, it's not my fault, it's Eve's fault. And God said, oh, okay, I'll kill her. No, he didn't. He said, Eve, what about you? He goes, that's not my fault, it's a serpent. And they both kind of said, by the way, I didn't make the tree and I didn't make the snake. So really, if someone should take blame around here, God, how'd that work for them? Right? It's okay to, to have been victimized. You're not weak, you're not, and somebody took advantage of you. I get that. Or, or systemically, or continuously, or tragically, or brutally. I get all of that. I really do. And I'm not mitigating, I'm not minimizing that. Please hear my heart. But I am not going to die a victim. I'm going to fight with the sword of the Lord. I'm going to fight with the Spirit of God. I'm going to fight with the character of Jesus Christ. I'm going to fight with hope. I'm going to fight with faith. I'm going to fight with righteousness and peace. I am not going to die a victim. I'm going to live victoriously through Jesus Christ. That is the calling of salt. That is the calling of light. David, when he blew it, he didn't say, man, I blew it, I blew it. He said, created me a clean heart. He took authority over his own stupidity and he learned from it and wrote the 51st Psalm which has comforted generations of sinners like me creating me a clean heart, wash me I'll be white as snow, hyssop, scrub on me and make me like Jesus when we take responsibility for our own actions, we reflect the nature of our God and when we don't, and we hide and we snuggle in all those warm excuses man, I'm telling you I'm telling you, you'll get stuck there don't get stuck, so Father I thank you for today and I pray that the pain of our lives would not define the output of our lives, but the faith in our God would. We wouldn't be victims. <laughs> Here comes a Joel Osteen moment. We'll be victorious. We'll be victors, not victims. You have given us the Spirit of God, and greater is He who's in us than He who's in the world around us. Proverbs teaches us to push. Proverbs teaches us to learn. Proverbs teaches us that if a lifetime of foolishness is repented of, that your mercies are new every morning. This morning, 
mercy is here. And I pray, God, today, make us wise. Wisdom, like faith, needs actions. Knowledge, knowing what to do but not doing it, is knowledge. Knowing what to do and doing it, that, that's wisdom. That's what wisdom looks like. And I pray today that we would make wise choices, wise actions, wise decisions, Father. Listen, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, we're almost done. But it would be foolish of me to end this without saying something along the lines of this. <laughs> At my dad's memorial yesterday, all the grandkids, all the kids, all the you know siblings that get up and talk about David Buddington Olson. I learned yesterday my stepdad's middle name was Buddington. Why didn't I know that earlier? And what they said over and over and over again, he loved me, he believed in me, he helped me, he trusted me, he lifted me up when I was down. And I, the question came, where did that come from? Where's that continual testimony? Every grandkid said I was his favorite. How, how, did, how did he love each of them individually? There's dozens of them. How, how did each one believe somehow that they were his favorite? I, I don't know, but I know this. I know that came from Jesus because Jesus loves you individually like you're his favorite. Sometimes I say just that thing. I'm God's favorite kid. I realize, by the way, I'm tied with all mankind for all ages with that title. But I am, and you are God's favorite kid. He doesn't love one more than the other. You're here today, and you're like, I haven't responded to that love. And I'm stuck in cycles of foolishness, and I'm suffering because of bad decisions. Or maybe I, I love the Lord, but I, man, I, this one area, I just seem to keep stumbling in. I seem to keep going back to I get out of debt, and I go back in debt. I... I get free of the calories. I go back into the calories. I get free in my schedule, and then I overbook again. I, I, I keep repeating cycles. I, but today, I want to respond to the, the forgiveness of God, and I want to pledge anew my life to be lived wisely. If that's you all over this room, this could be like a decision for Jesus to forgive every sin you've ever committed. Your first time confessing faith in Jesus Christ. I give you my life, and I receive your life in my life. I, I want you to be Lord and Savior. Or it could be a person that goes, you know what? Yeah, I am off the wagon a little bit. I need to tighten up those screws. In your own way, right where you are, I want you to talk to God. Father, I pray for every open heart. I give you my, my face. I give you my mouth. I give you my hands. I give you my time. I give you my money. I give you my energy. I give you my lies. I give you my calling. I give you my anointing. I give you everything. Past, present, and future are now in your hands. I trust you with all that I am from this day forward. This day forward, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Could you all just stand your feet? Nobody leave quite yet. Stand your feet. My clock says that the next service is going to be shorter so I can make it up. When I say go, everybody's dismissed at the exact same time. When I say go, you can hang out in this room for 20 minutes before we spray the Ghostbuster sanitizers. You can go out in the foyer way. You can grab a 17th cup of coffee. You know, you can stand out in the rain. But would you do me a favor? Before you leave here today, would you talk to somebody about the decisions you made today? We have that time now. I, I think that, you know, worship is ministry and the word is ministry and preliminaries are ministry, the offering is ministry. But I think, I think God does some of his greatest work after that ministry is over with and you start to minister to each other. So before you go home and just like, how was church today? Oh, what time is Danny's closed? I want to, you know, moon over my hammy sandwich or whatever. Like, would you, would you just talk to somebody about what God did in your life today? With one part of the sermon that made sense to you, one part of the sermon that really ticked you off. You can write a nasty anonymous email to Pastor Jim, whatever. That, like, just let, let Jesus kind of 
take it from my, I got it in my mouth, I'm chewing it now, and I'm going to swallow it, and it's going to nourish me. Would you do that? Either say amen, or I'm going to preach another sermon. I, th- I knew that would happen. I knew that would happen. Yeah, nice loud. You can always tell the deacons are. They're the first ones. Amen, please. Oh, please. All right. So, hey, go stay. I don't care. We're free. We're free. Go be wise. Amen. You're dismissed.